welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm Megan Cole, your host, and Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. On this podcast, I chat with the authors and illustrators who have been shortlisted and won the annual prizes. But this episode of Writing the Coast is a little bit different. I think technically it would be described as a mini-zode in the world of podcasting. And so because it's a mini-zode, it's a little bit shorter in length, and it's also different in terms of who I chatted with. In this episode, or mini-zode, I should say, I chatted with Tara Boren. And Tara Boren is very funny. We laughed a lot. Um, But she is also a poet, and she is a new board member, and she lives in this wonderful magical place that is the Yukon, which I have this strange interest in. Um, So I got to explore that with her. I got to ask some questions about what makes the Yukon so special, um, what the literary community is like up there. Also, what on earth is the Sourdough cocktail? And we chatted a little bit about the folks that make up the colorful 5%. So without further ado, And because you would much rather hear us talking about things than just me blathering about the things, here is my conversation with Tara Boren. So how long have you been in Dawson City? I've been in Dawson City since 2005. So um, yeah, for the better part of 14 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm from London, Ontario originally, though. Yeah. And why did you decide to move all the way to the Yukon? Um, I came here initially because I didn't know what else to do with myself. Um, I was not super happy in university. I was going to Western and studying English, and uh, I wanted a change. And so um, this friend of mine that I had met at school, um, she grew up here in Dawson, and so she suggested that I come here for a summer. There's tons of seasonal work. There's lots of young people. And so I did that and then just fell in love with the town and the community and ended up staying. And so you went for the summer. What was the winter, your first winter like? Yeah, so I didn't actually stay for that winter that year. Okay. I ended up going back to London that year, but then uh, the following winter I stayed. Yeah, it's like the exact opposite of the summer in terms of, like, it's very intense, mm-hmm. but in a very different way because there's so little daylight. Right now, sunrise is 11 a.m. in the morning. That's what AM is. <laughs> and uh, sunset is like 3.30 in the afternoon. Oh, wow. Yeah, but it's almost the winter solstice. And then the days, we will start to gain back the light pretty quick after that. Yeah. And I yeah. guess you probably really notice the light in the north. Like, we notice it down here on, on the west coast, but it's a totally mm-hmm. different thing up there. It is, yeah. It's, yeah, like I said, it's very intense. Like, in the summertime, um it's almost frenetic the energy like you just it's harder to sleep um you just feel like you should always be going and then in the winter when it's you know very little daylight like we have right now it's really hard to get moving Mm. (laughs) yeah um I'm lucky I find it easier now I have kids and so I'm sort of on their school schedule like there's still it's very regimented every day Mm -hmm. in terms of like getting them out the door and getting dinner ready and bedtime and everything But I remember, you know, before kids and certainly in those first few winters, like it's a real, it feels like a free for all and you kind of lose it a little bit. Um, You know, like it's permissible to just binge TV shows all day and 
Um, but then there's also lots of really great things like dinner parties. Like winter, summer is such a busy time that you don't have a lot of time for friends. Yeah. Um, whereas winter is a real reconnecting. So that's nice. Yeah. So I've never, I've never been to Yukon. It's been on my list for so, so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, how would you describe Dawson City to someone like me who's never been? Hmm. Well, it's, it's sort of like a time warp. Um, we still have wooden boardwalks and dirt streets. Um, there are heritage bylaws in place, which means that there's still a historic gold rush feel to the town. Um, there are a lot of buildings that are um, owned by Parks Canada, and uh, it's actually a national historic site. So, um, and some of them have been restored to varying degrees. So you still get that sort of gold rush frontier flavor. Um, but then there's also a thriving arts scene here. Um, we have a wonderful music festival in the summers. Um, there's lots of outdoor activities if you're into that, like snowmobiling in the winter, cross country skiing, dog sledding. Um, yeah, and it's a really it's a real tight knit community up here, um, and folks are really open and friendly. So there's a little bit for uh, something for everyone. Yeah, it sounds like it. And you mentioned the art scene, and I've heard so much about the art scene in Dawson. Um, what is the literary art scene and the literary community like uh, in Dawson City and the Yukon? If you can speak, for, if you can speak for yeah. the Yukon, <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say it's more territory wide, just because our population is so spread out. Yeah, um, there's about two thousand people year round, give or take, in Dawson City. And then uh, the majority of the population is in Whitehorse, the capital city. So there's about 20,000 um, in Whitehorse. So about 30,000 in total in the territory. It's pretty oh, wow. small. Yeah. But it's a very active literary scene. Um, here in Dawson, there we have the Burton House Writers Retreat, which is operated by the Writers Trust. It's Pierre Burton's family home. And, uh, and so there are four different writers there every year. Right now it's Ailsa Ross, a nonfiction writer. Um, yeah, so that's always exciting. It's, a, it's great to meet a variety of writers from all over the country. And then in the spring in Dawson City, we have the Print and Publishing Festival, which started out just as like a sort of, I think it started out as a symposium. Um, and now it's got its own weekend. Last year we had Eden Robinson, uh, Lawrence Hill and Trish Salah here for it. And there were um, uh, workshops and master classes, readings. And then there's also the print component. So there's um, an opportunity to try out all kinds of printmaking. And then there, there's also one of the historic buildings is the Dawson Daily News. So during the gold rush and up until the 50s, Dawson City had a daily newspaper. Oh, wow. um, yeah, and all of that stuff is still here. Like the old printing press is still here. Um, all of the typeset and everything. So, yeah, so part of the festival centers around that as well. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, you should, if you want to come up to the Yukon, maybe that would be a good time to come. It's in, it's end of May that that happens. Yeah, that definitely sounds like a reason to visit. There's probably many reasons to visit. (laughs) There are, yes. (laughs) But that's a good one. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and and then there are a lot of writers in Whitehorse. There's a really active scene in Whitehorse. Um, with like open mic nights, um, different kind of writing groups and things like that. Um, there are often readings happening at the library or around town. Um, so I would say most of the writers producing in the Yukon right now are based out of Whitehorse or the surrounding area. 
And yeah. what what are you working on right now as far as writing? Um, well, right now I have a full-length poetry manuscript that I am starting to send out to publishers. Um, and so the poems are all set in a very beloved and infamous bar here in Dawson City, which locals refer to as The Pit, but is actually called the Westminster Hotel. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited about those poems and bringing the, the pit to the rest of Canada. And so hopefully that will work out. But yeah, right now I'm just starting to send out my manuscript. Okay, so I've heard about the pit. Can yeah. you describe it to those who have not been there? Yes. Uh, so the building is um, like parts of the building. It's kind of a patchwork quilt of things that have been stuck together, which often happens in, in Yukon. Like buildings can be moved pretty easily because they're just up on cribbing. There's no foundation in the ground because of the permafrost. Yeah. So, yeah, so parts of the building date from the early 1900s, like just after the gold rush. And it's been in operation as a as a bar and hotel since probably about 19, I don't know, I hear varying dates, but I'm going to say 1920. Um, and so, yeah, and it's open, it's open year round. Um, there are two bars in there and the floors are really wonky because of the permafrost. The building shifts and moves a lot. So uh, often you can walk in there sober and feel like you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> like you kind of go downhill to the bathroom. And <laughs> um, yeah, like um, lots of, uh, there's in the, so there's the tavern bar, which is open from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. And there's the lounge, which is open from 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. And there's lots of local artwork in both places. The lounge has all these funky old portraits done by one of the former owners okay. um yeah and there's live music and it's like a real community hub as well it sounds like i'm excited to read your your book just because of your description now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a it's a very special place yeah <laughs> yeah so you're new to the board of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, and you're the first, um, I guess, board member from the Yukon. Why did yeah. you decide to become involved with the book prizes? Um, so I met Sean Cranberry, who's the um, the board president. I met him, or not the board president, the, the one who's paid. The executive director. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> um, so I met him when he was visiting his uh, partner, Carly Baker, at the Burton House residency. And, um, yeah, and we started talking about it at the last print and publishing festival. He sort of announced that the, um, the board wanted and the BC Yukon Book Prizes wanted to strengthen the connection with Yukon. Um, because Yukon's always been a part of the mandate, but it was never really publicized or, or pushed in any way. And, uh, and one of the ways that he wanted to do that was to bring in a Yukon representative on the board. And I just thought it sounded like exactly something I wanted to do. Um, I'm really passionate about the Yukon literary scene, but also about connecting it with the rest of Canada. Yeah. Um, BC is certainly the closest sort of um, scene to us, like, you know, and so it's the easiest for us to get to anyway. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on in Yukon. Like I was um, prior to this conversation, I was kind of looking at what's come out. There are four books that have come out from Yukon writers this year um, that I could recall. There may have been another couple, um, and then there's another four coming out next year that I know of. Wow. So yeah, so there's lots going on, and I just really am excited about um, 
helping it to to maybe get out there a little bit more. What do you think makes the literary scene so different in the Yukon from, say, BC or even the rest of the country? Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, it's such a small community. Um, I mean, I mean, it's it's a there are a lot of people writing considering how small the population is in Yukon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the perspectives that we get from here are really different. Um, Yukoners in general um, tend to travel a lot. A lot of us are not from here. Um, our experiences are, are quite different um, and the way we look at life, I find. And then also just how supportive everyone is uh, of each other. Like I don't feel any sense of competition it's just always exciting when someone puts a book out. So, yeah. So Sean sent me a few additional questions okay. um, as someone who'd been to uh, Dawson City. So he asked me to ask you if you have seen Caveman Jim recently and what he's been up to. Caveman Bill? Well, he yes. said Jim, so maybe he had the name wrong. Oh, I think, yes, definitely. There's only one Caveman. Okay. <laughs> I have seen him recently. The river froze this year, so this is the usually the river freezes every year. Um, but the last four years, it's stayed open in front of town. Maybe the last three, sorry. Um, and so that's been a bit of a thing. No one knew what was going to happen this year, but it did freeze fully. So Bill is crossing the frozen river now from the cave that he lives in on the west side of the river. He most recently I saw him because he made a donation to someone who lost her home uh, to fire, lost her cabin in a fire. Um, so he does beautiful woodworking, like everything's dovetailed. And so he brought a chest that he had made to, to give to her. So that was what I, what was Bill was doing the last time I saw him. <laughs> He's very, sounds very generous. <laughs> he is. Yeah. He's a really good guy. Yeah. <laughs> One of the many, um, we call them the colorful five percent that you will meet here. <laughs> well, the uh, one of the other characters Sean asked me to ask about was uh, who Captain Dick is and how the community responded to his passing. Yeah, that's a tricky one. <laughs> so Captain Dick is pretty infamous in the Yukon. Uh, he is the originator of the sour toe cocktail. Okay, um, which. I believe started off as a bet. I think it was something like they found this toe in an old cabin, like a mummified human toe, and someone bet someone else to have a drink with the toe in it. And then it has become this huge thing at one of the hotels here in town where people pay money, like line up out the door and pay money to have a shot with this toe in it. And there have been various toes through the years, but Captain Dick was the originator of this. And so, yeah, he very recently passed away. He part of his he willed all of his toes to the downtown hotel for the the thing, the sour toe. Um, yeah, so there are some folks who remember him quite fondly. He is also a bit of a problematic human, and so <laughs> there are some folks who remember him not so fondly. But overall. Um, it's just such a funny thing. <laughs> he also wanted his body to be mummified, like taxidermied or mummified and displayed in the bar. Oh, wow. But they can't do that. So. No. <laughs> I think they're going to 
really keep his ashes there. <laughs> the toes, the toes. I mean, that seems problematic enough, let alone yeah. the whole <laughs> human body. <laughs> I've never done it in fourteen years. I've never done the sour toe. Would you ever do it? No, I don't think so. I've gone with like visiting family and we all go together and it's like, yeah, we're going to do this thing. And then I get there and I see the toe and every time I'm just like, no, I'm good. I don't know. <laughs> how, like, how often do they switch the toe? Is this like a thing that has to, I, I'm, I'm so curious now. <laughs> yeah. So I think the toe can just keep going. Um, but sometimes people try to steal the toe. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, it was like a big deal. The guy swallowed it. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> but then he got fined. A lot of the hotel, the bar fined him a bunch of money. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's I just can't imagine doing that. <laughs> oh, God, it's still got the toenail on it and everything. I, oh. I made a gagging face when you said that he yeah. had swallowed it. <laughs> I just couldn't imagine. <laughs> Uh, yeah so I think that is usually if it gets lost sometimes it can just be mysteriously lost or stolen but they have toes like people donate their toes most aside from Captain Dick's toes most recently there was um an athlete who competed in the Yukon Ultra which is this like just bananas um, race that they do in February from Whitehorse to Dawson City on trails. And, uh, yeah, and so anyway, one of the competitors lost a toe to frostbite and gave it to the downtown hotel for the sour toe cocktail. Wow. And this summer returned to Dawson City and did the sour toe shot with his own toe in it. That is... I don't, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Like, why? 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 I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and even even just, like, I have questions about, like, the health and safety aspect of toes. And, um, and yeah, so many questions. <laughs> I don't have all the answers. No, I don't expect you to. <laughs> They're more just, like, you know, your mind can't wrap itself around such a thing. No. Um, <laughs> You'll just have to come see it sometime. Yes, I, I do. I really, really want to come to Yukon. I wanted to move to Yellowknife at one point, too, but <laughs> here I am in Powell River, BC, so. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it's warmer than it is here. It right is, now. yes, <laughs> yes. Wetter, probably, but warmer. Yeah. Thanks again to Tara for being on the podcast. I really appreciated your time, and I laughed so much. It was really fun. Uh, I will still never consume the sour toe cocktail. I mean, I guess you can't hold me to that. I haven't been upfront and personal with the toe yet, so maybe I would, but I still kind of gag a little bit when I think about it, so probably not. But thank you again. It was so much fun. And thank you to you, our listeners, for subscribing, for listening, for sharing. It means so much to me that you enjoy what we are doing on the podcast. And be sure to subscribe and listen because I have some really great guests coming up in the future. I have an episode with Daryl McLeod coming up next Saturday. And then also I will be chatting with Kathy Page about her beautiful book, Dear Evelyn. So be sure to stay tuned, to listen, to share, because it means so much and it's important to promote what the wonderful writers and illustrators in our community are doing. 
If you want to learn more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, be sure to visit the website bcyukonbookprizes.com.